pleased to be joined now by Aaron Goldsmith. First off, you know him if you listen to the game over the summertime and baseball season. He's the voice both on the radio and TV side for the Seattle Mariners and during a big season for them. Of course, spring training coming up later in February and uh, March 29th, opening day for the M's against the Cleveland Indians. And he also does college basketball for Fox Sports. He has the call of Oregon State-Stanford tomorrow night on FS1, tips at 8 p.m. Then he's got the call of Ducks-Stanford Saturday afternoon, 2 p.m. on Fox National, Big Fox, as they call it, uh, over there with with the Fox Network. He is Aaron Goldsmith. Aaron, good to talk to you again, my friend. How are you? Hey, Judah, doing very well. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I know uh, college basketball fans in this area, very excited to have you on the call of both of their local games this week. Of course, on this very same station, us being the affiliate in Portland of the Seattle Mariners, we'll be uh, hearing you all baseball season long, and we all look forward to that. But it's a special treat when you get to call some college hoops action as well. Um, You've got both calls in Palo Alto. What is there to do in Palo Alto for a a whole week's time? Are you familiar with, uh, (laughs) with pacing a week like that? (laughs) <laughs> you know, it's um, Palo Alto is a, as you know, the Pac-12 is kind of different than a lot of conferences where we actually have some, where we have some pretty major cities for college towns, and I, I would put Palo Alto in with that mix. So it's a, a really good place to spend some time, especially if you've got kind of a, a two games at bridge three days. So uh, it's for us who are a little waterlogged here in Seattle. Uh, it's nice to get to Palo Alto for a few days and uh, get in some sunshine and uh, get to Maples for a couple of games. I've got to imagine that you've been to just about every Pac-12 basketball venue. Um, what arena, and you can feel free to be objective and unbiased here, even though we are the home of the Ducks, uh, what venue or arena has left the biggest impression on you during your time broadcasting these Pac-12 basketball games in terms of atmosphere or environment or intensity? Boy, yeah, that's a fun question. Probably, if I was to do, like, assuming that it's a sold-out crowd in all these games we're talking about, I really, I think a sneaky good pick to that question is Utah. Mm. Uh, the Huntsman Center is a really great spot. It's huge. It's tough for them to fill that up, uh, but they can, and I've been there when they have been able to. Uh, but if you get a really great, like, Utah, Arizona at the Huntsman, uh, the it, the court setup is different. The court almost kind of feels like it's submerged. The student section is uh, almost like an end zone feel. It's a little elevated, uh, so that's a lot of fun. Colorado, another the other mountain school, that's a really sneaky good pick too. They, they have a great atmosphere in there. I mean, Arizona is the easy one, right? Because McHale's always sold out. It's always a great vibe there. And uh, for the Beavs fans who are in Portland, I love going to Gill. I really do. It's a it's a really it, it doesn't have the curb appeal of Matthew Knight, but it's got that great kind of musty old gym smell to it. Uh, they've got my favorite pet band in the Pac-12 for what it's worth, Judah. Uh, so uh, those are those are a couple of really really good places I like to get to. I uh, gotta love it. Speaking of Gil, you called the first Civil War matchup between Oregon and Oregon State earlier this month in January. It was a 12-point Oregon State victory. Now Oregon did get revenge just last Saturday at Matthew Knight Arena. But what do you recall from uh, your broadcast of Oregon, Oregon State back in January 3rd, I want to say? And as you get ready to call these Beaver and Duck games this week, how have you kind of monitored those teams since that game? Yeah, I've had a, I've, I've been grateful. I've been able to see both teams a couple of times now uh, in, in conference play. Uh, but 
that's always that is one of my favorite events to call uh, in terms of college basketball is being able to call the Civil War, and it never surprises me. Even when the Ducks are a ranked team, like they almost always are until right now, it seems like it never surprises me when the Beavers take down the Ducks if that game is played in Corvallis. Uh, just there's just something about the Beavs at home, and you can say that of course about basically any any uh, college team, especially in the Pac-12. But um, I remember Trey Sinkle having a really good game uh, that day for the Beavers, and in fact, a, a number of Beavs had a good game. And the Ducks, although they were, it was a close game at halftime. Uh, the Beavers really pulled away from the Ducks in the second half, and the, kind of the feeling—I don't, I don't know if you, the, kind of the sentiment is still the same with the Ducks right now, and you might have a better feel for it—is that's a team that just never really seemed like when I saw them, at least early in conference play, never really seemed like they came together, right? I mean, Dana has been so good even before the final four run. I mean, even before uh, the the real glory days for the Ducks recently, I mean, been so good at bringing transfers together and having them gel almost instantly. Mm-hmm. But that just hasn't happened, at least from my eyes, from when I have seen the Ducks play this year, that hasn't happened to quite the same degree. And I, I mean, I think probably the biggest reason is simply because, in years past, if you go back to the 13-14 season or 14-15 season, I mean, my memory serves me right. It's There was still a lot of holdovers, right? There were still some glue parts with those transfers. Whereas yeah. this year, I mean, it's it's Peyton and a bunch of new guys. <laughs> and, so you're, and, and Peyton Pritchard is not a super vocal guy if that is meaningful in this situation. Uh, so I'm going to be really curious. You referenced kind of the back nine of the conference play, which is about to begin here in February. I'm going to be really curious to see how the back half of the schedule treats the Ducks and if they're really able to gel quickly over these final uh, final months of the regular season or so. Aaron Goldsmith joining us here on 1029 The Game. Follow him on Twitter at HeyGoldie. Uh, Aaron, yeah, and you're exactly right, actually. Duck fans watching this team, the potential is so visible and enticing and yet it hasn't really manifested itself in any impactful way. It feels like it's getting there. The big win over Oregon State this past Saturday kind of felt like Oregon was going in the right direction, but as soon as you feel like they're going in the right direction, they'll stub their toe like they did at home against USC last week. Um, I know, obviously, they played Arizona tough on the road. That's always a tough place to play. So I think there's tempered optimism, but... Here we are about to enter February, and reality has to set in at some point, and the Ducks find themselves in the middle of the Pac-12 standings, and and really it remains an uphill climb if they want to battle back into at-large conversation and at least put themselves in a diff- in a decent spot for a Pac-12 tournament run. Aaron, I, w- I want to ask you this. As someone that's called a lot of these Pac-12 games so far and has been looking at the, uh, the conference um, regularly, does it feel feel any different in terms of quality of play this year in the Pac-12 as opposed to years past? I know it's a bit younger overall as a conference, and a lot of talented players went in the NBA draft from this conference a season ago, but what have you kind of made of the quality of play in the Pac-12 this year? Has it been any different? Yeah, I think so. There isn't there isn't really that monster. I mean, Arizona is always going to be there. Arizona State, we continue to see kind of slide down each week. Uh, in the rankings because of notable losses. To me, and I've kind of talked to some of my colleagues, whether it be analysts or producers or directors, we all kind of feel like, and I don't mean this is going to come across kind of mean-spirited. I don't mean it to. 
Cal is clearly rebuilding in so many ways. If you have a game with any combination of teams other than Cal right now, I mean, you're going to probably get a really good game of the Pac-12. Mm. Um, and that being said, I was on the call for Cal's only conference win, and it was an incredible come-from-behind win. They were down by almost 15 in the second half, and they came back at Maples to, to take down Stanford. Uh, so just as I say that almost any game other than with Cal, and I saw the one game where they really did make it incredible. Um, but it's just it's so even across the board, you get the sense that on, on any given night, Anything could happen. I mean, even when I did a game at Arizona recently against Colorado, um, Colorado made it really, really close in the final minutes. And this is in McHale, in the best home court advantage of the conference and one of the best in the entire nation. So you don't have those big, heavy-hitting monsters with UCLA. I mean, there's no Lonzo Ball anymore. There isn't uh, the trifecta of talent for Dana Altman uh, like we saw last year. And uh, Arizona... Um, even though they're a top ten team, uh, they're not maybe as solid defensively, I think, without question, as they were a season ago. So any given night, you can get a, just a fantastic game of the Pac-12. And we're hoping to see a couple of good games at uh, Maples Pavilion this week. Uh, of course, the common opponent for the Ducks and Beavers is the Stanford Cardinal. And Aaron, I know from afar, Stanford struggling as of late with those three straight losses, albeit to tough opponents. But as you go about preparing for your calls this week with the Cardinal, what do you see in them? Yeah, you know, Reed Travis is uh, is maybe the biggest man outside of DeAndre Ayton in the Pac-12. Uh, so the the combination of Travis versus uh, Eubanks certainly tomorrow night for the Beavers will be one that I'll be interested to see. You know, one of the storylines with Stanford this year uh, that I found so interesting is you look at uh, a guy who had committed to Lorenzo Romar and to the Huskies and then decommitted, of course, when Romar was fired. Dejon Davis, the point guard, freshman point guard from Seattle for the Cardinal. I mean, this is a guy who was kind of all over the place in the non-conference. In fact, really did not finish the non-conference on a particularly high note. And he has, uh, by and large, been really solid. Has lasted a little bit lately a couple of games versus uh, USC and Arizona, which you, you kind of referenced. Uh, but when he has been playing to the level that they think he is capable in, in playing for years to come, I mean, he's really helped to transform uh, that team. And we mentioned Travis. Michael Humphrey is can be such a good mismatch uh, for the Cardinal as well. And then they've kind of got this group of guys, uh, Oscar De Silva, who is a freshman from Brazil, who's a, a really good young player, uh, Dorian Pickens, a senior, uh, who's one of their best three-point shooters. I mean, the Cardinal, our team that is on a slide right now, but there was a time, uh, including when they came here to Seattle, where I live, uh, and took down the Huskies at home, where you kind of had the feeling, especially at home for the, for the Cardinal, that this is a team that could be just about anybody in conference play. And, of course, we saw uh, what it was about a weekend or so ago when they took Arizona down to the wire at home. Right, Absolutely. Uh, speaking of Seattle area, college basketball, uh, being that uh, you're based in the Emerald City, um, what are Washington fans seeing in their team this year? You probably interact with them in a ver- variety of capacities, particularly on social media, but they're 5-3 and three right now, 15-6 and six overall, you know, top three team in terms of standings in the conference. What do you see in the Huskies, and, and what are realistic expectations for them? Well, uh, 
anybody who was wondering about Mike Hopkins when the season began uh, obviously feels a lot better about him now and what he has been able to do with that 2-3 zone and with the young talent with the Huskies because it has, man, if you told Husky fans you get 15 wins in total this season, I mean, forget when you turn the page into February, I think most Husky fans would be would be really pretty okay with that. They want to be thrilled, but they would see it as an improvement. And already five wins in conference play, five and three. Um, I mean, this is a team that obviously lost all the star recruits by and large. And Hopkins is coming in, trying to build something from the ground up, and dominating win at home recently against Washington State. It was a sold-out crowd. And Mike Hopkins did something that was pretty cool. He took out a full-page ad in the Seattle Times and thanked uh, the fans, the student section, for showing up and being so engaged in such a part of that win against the Cougs, obviously a rivalry game. And so that was really cool to see a, a guy who was uh, in his first year here in Seattle uh, really going all in, uh, taking the time, having the creativity to come up with something like that and to, and to really kind of extend that arm out to the fan base. Because, let's face it, that program has lost a lot of fans here in Seattle. Uh, it just has been so disappointing in recent seasons, which is tough to say, but that's just, been, that's just the truth. So Hopkins has a long way to go to build this thing up, and I would say he is certainly ahead of schedule of what we've seen so far this year. Aaron Goldsmith joining us here on 102.9-750 The Game. Aaron, before I let you go, i got to ask you about the Mariners and their offseason and uh, spring training. Not too far away, February 23rd, from my count, is the first spring training game, and then opening day, March 29th, Mariners and Indians. Uh, I, I know baseball fans in the area. Very much looking forward to hearing yourself and Rick Riz call the action again here on uh, Portland's home of the Mariners, Aaron. What has the offseason been like, and what's your reaction to Edgar just coming up short for the Hall of Fame this year? And uh, hopefully he can get in next year with uh, one more year of eligibility. Yeah, I think we all feel pretty good, feel very confident that Edgar will get in next year in his final season of eligibility. Uh, in terms of the offseason for the Mariners, it's been pretty quiet, right, in terms of relative to uh, Jerry DePoto's winters of, uh, of seasons gone by. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's a lot of excitement about D. Gordon. Scott Service basically said that it will be Gordon at the top of the order, Segura two, and then, of course, the rest will fall in order from there with uh, Cano and Cruz and Seager. Uh, this will be a lineup I, I don't think there's any question can go toe-to-toe with uh, maybe even a Yankees lineup in the American League. I mean, this is going to be a really, really stacked, potent lineup with tremendous speed with Gordon and Segura at the top, and then we'll see where he wants to put uh, guys like Ben Gamble and Mitch Hanniger as well. Uh, so the rotation is the question mark right now, but if it stays healthy – which is the biggest question mark, not only for the Mariners, but all 30 teams. Uh, if it stays healthy, it can be very good. Wow. We uh, just dipped into the shallow end of the Mariners baseball pool, Aaron, but uh, that's given me enough excitement. I could just talk baseball with you for another hour, <laughs> uh, but we'll have some room to let it breathe until uh, later this February when we'll hear your baseball calls from spring training and, of course, in late March when the regular season rolls around. And uh, until then, I would encourage Mariner fans particularly, go follow Aaron on Twitter, at HeyGoldie, and follow uh, his podcast, The Wheelhouse with Jerry DePoto. Awesome content in there. In the meantime, 
Aaron will have the television call tomorrow night, 8 p.m. tip-off for Stanford and Oregon State. And then Duck fans, tune in to Big Fox. That's Channel 12 in the greater Portland area, KPTV. Aaron Goldsmith will uh, have the call alongside Steve Lavin for the Ducks and Cardinal. A big, big matchup for both teams on Saturday afternoon. Aaron, thanks so much for taking the time. It's great reconnecting with you, sir, and uh, hopefully we'll see you again soon. Will you be making your way out to Eugene next week? I will be there on February 7th for Ducks and Huskies. Great Pac-12 rivalry. That is fantastic. Looking forward to that. Aaron, thanks for taking the time. Great talking with you again, Judith. Thank you so much.